I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. Each episode, we'll talk about our week in review. Move on to the main event, which is a main review or topic of discussion, and finish with film faves, our list of 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. This is our 10th episode. Isn't that crazy? It's double digits. It's very exciting. Oh my gosh, we've actually made it to episode 10 so far. We get a badge. Yay! (laughs) So with our 10th episode, our main event will be a main review of Atomic Blonde, starring... Charlize Theron. And our film faves will be a related topic this episode. We'll be counting down our 12 favorite main female characters what will be on the list i don't know It'll super be exciting very fun episode uh, for sure but shannon why don't you get the week in review started so i got to watch a couple of different movies this week the first one i'm going to mention is citizen x which is available for streaming on hbo go and this was a true crime film. Remember how we talked about a true crime film not too long ago called The Hounds of Love? Yes, unfortunately. Yes, I'll bring it up again and mm. again. Um, so, I did not like how Hounds of Love ended. It was not satisfying to me. This, however, was incredibly deliciously, sadistically satisfying. It's takes place in Russia during a time when a serial killer named Andre Chikatilo, who is played by Jeffrey Demun. Um, Demun. He's a he's a great character actor. Jeffrey Demun. This serial killer killed fifty two people, and it was through stabbing. And sometimes there were there were other things that happened too. I don't need to mention it on here though. No, you I do can not. move swiftly along. I really enjoy true crime films. Mm-hmm. Hounds of Love didn't hold back. They showed all the gruesomeness. But mm. Citizen X was symbolic of the murder. What it didn't symbolic? show well, it didn't show stabity, stabity, stab, stab, stab. You know, it it actually just showed like a shot of the girl that was gonna be murdered. Uh-huh. And then she wasn't there. And then it'll oh. show a shot of the boy. And it'll show the knife going up. And then it cuts. Oh, so it doesn't even like have it off screen. Like um, some movies, you don't actually see the violence, but you think you see the violence. It's not even like that. Well, they did show one pivotal murder, you know, for what it was. They didn't cut away or anything like that with that particular one. But most of them, they do cut away. So if you are a little squeamish, this is a pretty good movie for you to watch. So I highly recommend this film. It also stars... Imelda Staunton, Donald Sutherland, right? Yes. And for those Harry Potter films, uh, 10 points if you can name which character she is, Imelda Staunton, in in the Harry Potter series. So have fun with that one. The depiction of death was really good Mm -hmm. in that way. And the depiction of how a bureaucracy can slow an investigation like this down, Mm -hmm. that does happen. It does exist. And it's very infuriating. 
Uh, what's even more infuriating is somebody attaching their agenda to something serious. Hmm. One of the officials said that, oh, well, it must be homos- a homosexual man that's murdering all these people. Is this set in the United States? No, this is in Russia, and oh. it's during the 1980s. So that makes a huge difference, I think. Oh, well, then there we go. Yeah. The, the Russian accents weren't so good, but that's okay. Oh, really? No, okay. You know, when you see Sutherland, you're like, um, <laughs> there's nothing, like, blonder than you, <laughs> even though you have gray hair now. <laughs> it's like dead giveaway anyway there was a lot of homophobia attached to this and so a lot of um homosexual men were arrested um under the impression that they thought that that was their killer and Mm. it was so frustrating Mm. so a really great film i highly recommend it Excellent. I also got to watch a couple of other movies. We got to go to Scarecrow Video. Yes. Which, for those who don't know, it's, I think, the country. A gold mine. Well, it's like heaven for us. But I think it's like the nation's biggest film library. Physical film library. Right. Uh, Where you can actually rent out the movies and... It's it's an extraordinary place. It's amazing. Uh, so what did you get from there that you saw? I got a couple things because you know what? When you walk into a place like that and you can rent, like you just kind of take a bunch. I was going to take eight things, but I ended up getting four things. So I saw Criterion movies and it was called I Married a Witch. Okay, tell us what that's about. This is a 1942 film. It's a fantasy romance, and it's about a 17th century witch that got outed. So her and her father got burnt. But before she got burnt, this is in Salem, during witch hangings and such. So this is where it takes place? Yes. So like pilgrims kind of era, I guess. So it's a fantasy romance, which means, oh, we're going to add a little bit of witchiness and um, we're going to make people fall in love. So that's the category. And it's of a 17th century witch female um, who fell in love and didn't want to lie to her future husband. And so she told him, I'm a witch and so is my father. And the man completely freaked out and told the villagers or told the council, whoever, you know, people, whatever that is. And so she got burnt, but before she got burnt, she put a curse on him and said that you will never find true love. You will never have a satisfying relationship. Um, It will always end miserably. It will always begin miserably and it will be uncontrollable. And it ended with just that man's life, right? So you kind of, it's kind of fun. They go from like pilgrim days and then all the way through Victorian to, you know, 1942. And it turns out that she is released from her imprisonment mm-hmm. and she falls in love with him. So a couple generations later, she's still going after the same man, technically. <laughs> okay, so this is like, we're talking like reincarnation or something like that. It's future generations. Yeah, well, I guess okay. you can look at it that way. Okay. I don't. Not, I wouldn't say reincarnation. It's not the same character, literally, because she got burned by the stick. No, right? it's like she falls in love with her ex-lover's great, 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 great grandson. 
Yeah, okay. So it's kind of fun. The visuals are cute. It shows um, the witches in like a smoke form because mm. they have to become physical again. And I thought that was really sweet. And it's got a few funny moments and it's really of its time. Mm. So all she wants to do is be a good housewife. And I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. No, you don't. You want to be free with all that power. So <laughs> really cute. I highly okay. recommend that one. Okay. And then the last one I got to watch was uh, its South African title is E Lollipop, mm-hmm. and I don't know what its American title is. So I don't think it was released in America. It apparently was, but it's mm. very much under the radar. It has not been refined. It, I mean, not refined, but what do they do when they put something in Criterion? They refurbish it. Restore? Restore. Remaster it? Yeah, so there's none of that going on. It's a Criterion release? No, it's not. I wish it was, but it doesn't fit the category, apparently. Well, okay. It's a 1975 film, and it's about two boys that are best friends. They literally have each other's backs, and they do everything together. They even get spanked together. So there is nothing separating these two kiddos. The one is a African boy... And the other is a white Afrikaans boy. It is set in South Africa, although I believe they filmed in Lesotho because at the time it was illegal to film this kind of story in South Africa because South Africa had apartheid and such. Sorry, they filmed where? They filmed in Lesotho. What is that? It is a country within South Africa. There are two countries within South Africa. Gotcha, okay. So this was one of them, and so that's where they filmed. It was a really fun film, and it was really like a total grab-a-box-of-tissues film. But the fun part was you have this these Irish missionaries mm-hmm. talking about Catholicism, I believe, and they're teaching it to an Ubuntu tribe, an African tribe that has their own set of beliefs, but they're teaching the kids English and they're teaching the kids animals and, you know, they're doing their own thing with their own education. So you've got that culture coming in and telling the other culture how things should be done. Mm. All this time you have a witch doctor hiding in the mountains. And whenever the witch doctor comes over, like the Irish minister and the Irish sister are just freaking out and they're like be gone with you and it's like he's just a witch doctor it's no big deal medicine man essentially of that culture and then a little bit later an American comes over and she wants to teach the tribe of women about birth control (laughs) it just ends horrendously (laughs) like nobody is interested in birth control and she's trying to teach them and she feels like such a failure and it's really those are like the fun moments and then these two boys when the american comes these two boys scare her with a scorpion hanging by a string and like a snake that is harmless but it's a snake nonetheless you know at her feet so but anyway that was that was quite sweet uh if you want to cry your eyes out go for it if you want to get a taste of south african landscape go for it if you want to also see what america looks like from someone who's coming from such a small place Mm -hmm. such a different environment they also do that the boys have to travel to america for a reason Kind of like that movie, The Good Lie, which we talked about a few episodes back. Yes, but now you get to see it from a kid's point of view, and uh, I think he ends up in Harlem. Okay, so So, what is that movie called? That's called E. Lollipop. 
Excellent. Thanks for sharing about that. Is there anything else you want to tell us? No, about? what's your week? Well, I wanted to talk about just a couple movies I saw in the theater. I saw first Dunkirk, which is directed by Christopher Nolan. Jeff went without me. It was a good decision. Right. I, there's not, as we've established in previous episodes, there's not a lot of movies I can see without Shanna, especially when it comes to Christopher Nolan. However, this is a war film, which Shanna does not do war films. And to be honest, even, even though it was a Christopher Nolan film, I wasn't terribly excited going into the movie uh, about it for the, for the first time. I'm usually fairly interested in Christopher Nolan movies, but for some reason this one didn't really grab my attention. I still ended up going to see it. And here's the thing. It is, by all accounts, in terms of like technical and, uh, prowess and, and, and production value... It's a very fine film. It's very well crafted overall, and it's very good. I would not say it's one of the best war films ever made. Uh, It might crack the top 25 ever made or something like that. My, My issues with the film were... A, like, okay, let me backtrack and explain. The structure of the film is basically in examining this event in World War II and in, on the British side, their history, is essentially Dunkirk, if for those who don't know, it's a major evacuation of soldiers uh, who were kind of pushed to the English Channel by the German army, Okay. So it takes a look at that evacuation from three different perspectives, by, by land, by sea, and by air. And it splits it into three different timelines. Okay. Really? Yes. So you have by land, which takes a week's worth of time, by sea, which is um, one day's worth of time, and by air, which is one hour. And Nolan cuts to each of these different timelines, each of these different perspectives throughout the movie. On the one hand, that's really clever. It works. However, as Nolan's trying to build more tension, he cuts between them more quickly. And it does get a little bit confusing trying to follow, like where each thing falls in the overall timeline, so to mm. speak. You could kind of argue that's the fourth timeline, which is the the whole overall timeline, right? Where all of these pieces fall into place, right? And it can get kind of hard to follow that. Also, because we are cutting to all these different characters, all these different timelines, it's hard to actually like feel really engaged with the characters. Mm. And have like emotional resonance um, or attachment to anything going on. So I felt like I was admiring what was in front of me, but I wasn't having an emotional response to what was happening in front of me. And then lastly, the only other issue I had with it was Hans Zimmer's score. Oh, come on. Hans Zimmer is a great composer. 
He's uh, for those who don't don't realize, he did such scores as Dark Knight. He did, I think, Interstellar score. He did Inception. Inception, yes. Um, Practically. Gladiator. All of Christopher Nolan stuff. Well, Gosh. more recent stuff since okay. Batman Begins. All right. He did Pir- uh, Pirates, of the- Pirates of the Caribbean score. Anyway, he's a great composer. And on its own, the score is really exceptional. However, in the film, it felt quite assaulting and constant uh and i really felt like there's some scenes that would have done better played better without his score so uh dunkirk it is a really good film one uh well actually we've had a pretty good summer full of really good films so yeah uh, it hasn't been bad yeah this is no different but i'm reluctant to heap on a lot of praise on it so then but <laughs> that looked like a shining gold star compared to the other movie I saw. What did you watch? Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh, shame. You were so excited for that one. I was. I was really looking forward to this one. I was very hopeful huh. of it. You know, I'm a fan of The Fifth Element, which is also directed by Luc Besson. 20 years ago, in fact... I think the summer might mark its 20th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's very cool. So I was hoping that Luc Besson was coming back to, you know, high-energy, colorful sci-fi action. And at the very least, comedy, really entertaining. Yeah. That's all I needed. Oh, shame. That's what you were hoping for. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. And it all just really kind of fell flat. Yes, the visual effects are spectacular. It's just visually dazzling. That's probably the one thing that makes the whole movie watchable. And that's all it is. It's it's watchable. It's tolerable. It's not good. And it certainly isn't great. And I'm not even sure how much of the film to credit Luc Besson on because it's based on some French comic book that I've never even heard of so i don't know how many ideas actually came from luke Besson or the comic uh, that we see in the film Hmm. i realized though that Besson is not a very good writer if you think about it in the past 20 years he has written over 30 screenplays and I can count on one hand how many of those are actually good. Valerian is not one of them. Hmm. It's just like the dialogue is really bad. The story is not great. I would even argue that sometimes the direction isn't well executed too. There's a there's a there's a sequence that a lot of people are talking about that actually takes place in one location but in two different dimensions you you understand it in concept but when it's executed you don't fully understand i didn't fully understand what was going on Hmm. um like you're able like you're able to see him in both dimensions and, like, um, him being Valerian, the main character played by Dane DeHaan. Dane uh-huh. And then his co-star, Cara Delevingne, she's, like, 
in one dimension only, but she sees him from like 15 feet away, and they're trying to escape in this scene, and you're kind of like, why isn't she just grabbing him and running together? It didn't, it didn't make sense. It doesn't quite work. And there's a lot of things that I, I feel like don't quite work in this movie. Yes, you're pretty good at spotting those. I will say, however, while it's not a great role, it's not a great script, Cara Delevingne is definitely trying to do what she, what she can with the material, and I think she shows the most promise. She wasn't done any favors in Suicide Squad as the Enchantress, but here I think That was she's, her? Yeah, that was her. So, but here I think she's given a little bit more to do, and it doesn't quite work, but... She needs could, to get a different agent. Yeah, maybe. Apparently. You can see that she's trying. She has potential. Anyway, so that's Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I highly do not recommend it. Even if you're a Fifth Element fan, uh, I, I, as a Fifth Element fan, was quite disappointed. And I generally would probably stay away from Luc Besson films um, at this point because I was not a fan of Lucy either, which you were a fan of. By the I way. was. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my Week in Review. Let's talk about our Week in Review. We saw one movie together. Which is Blade Runner. Yes, I have seen this film a few times in a variety of different versions. And since Blade Runner 2049 is coming out this fall... And it looks so pretty. I showed you this film for the first time. Yes, I was under the impression that I had never seen this film, and then it turned out near the end I realized, oh wait, I had seen this film, but I had just seen pieces of it. So it was good to see it from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and as far as I can tell from what you've said, it's good to watch it a couple times to pick up on anything you've missed. Yeah, well, and it's good to go back. We watched the final cut, which is the preferred version of the film, and I figured the most appropriate way to introduce you to the film. However, it is the final cut. There is four other cuts of the film that came about over the years. And I feel like it's good to go back and maybe like watch like the theatrical cut so you can kind of compare, compare the versions. You don't actually have this DVD, this movie. No, there is a Blu-ray collection that has all the different cuts. And there's a reason we'll talk about why I don't own the film. But we did see it because courtesy of Scarecrow. Yes, that was very exciting to be able to go in and actually see all that director's films on a shelf. So if you ever wanted to attack a certain director's films, filmography, you could just go for it. Yeah, they make that easy. But what did you think of Blade Runner? I really loved the set designs. I loved the cinematography. I loved the lighting. Oh, my God. You can tell it's like for a photographer, for someone who pays attention to lighting, you can tell that that's like a golden age where they're playing with a little bit of this color, a little bit of that color, a little bit of silhouette, a little bit of room, you know, and go and look up all those terms, but put photography first. And so for me, it was really fun to watch. That movie obviously influenced a lot of artists, and it definitely influenced um, a lot of photographers of that time. Or the photography influenced the movie, 
you can tell because there's certain photographers that were already existing, already had their name, and their work started looking a little bit like that, really dramatic lighting, a lot of fun with, you know, backgrounds where it was just about the light, really, and mm. the lack the lack of light as well. So I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. This, honestly, I feel like I need to watch it again, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay buying the film. I, obviously, you're going to talk about that in a minute, but because I feel like it's such an it's such an epic film, I feel like you could watch it again and again. Sometimes I get a little too uneasy. So it's a really good film. Always good when a hero starts off as an unknowing villain and figures out that what he's doing isn't necessarily the best thing. Well, that's that's interesting that that's your perspective on it. And that's well, so a, far. That's definitely an interpretation of uh, the third act. And that, that's interesting. I, I, we talked about this movie previously, and one of the things that we had both settled on, and I found it interesting that we both felt the same way, is... This is a film that we both liked and admired, but did not love. And and I've seen the film a few times now, and and I still have that sense that for some reason I never fall in love with the movie, and that's why I've never owned the film. It's always just remained as a film that's like a hallmark in sci-fi history. It's a film that's highly influential. I mean, it's it's co- it's a funny coincidence that you know we go from talking about Luc Besson film to uh, talking about Luc. Uh, to Blade oh, that Runner. is quite interesting. When the Fifth Element is clearly influenced by Blade Runner, it's just a color, more colorful, higher energy uh, setting, basically. You know. Yeah. Oh, so it's an interesting story. It's got. A really great death speech, so to speak. You know, uh, a really de- a great death scene with a, with a major character. And it's interesting how the more you see it, the simpler the story appears to be for you. But yeah, you know, and also it's also worth noting. You know, this is nineteen eighty two, and Harrison Ford was you know at his peak. At this time, you know. He has had a really good run. Well, at that time, absolutely. He had Star Wars in 77, Empire Strikes Back in 80, Raiders of the Lost Ark in 81, Blade Runner in 82. That's and a really fun career. That's that's a great run right there of mm. uh, six or seven years. So um, it's definitely worth checking out if for some reason you're just becoming aware of the film. Seek it out. It's worth admiring, especially the final cut in all its HD wonderfulness. It's yes, also, it's quite beautifully juicy in visuals. Yeah. And also, I would say it's one of Ridley Scott's uh, few great films. I will maybe go so far as to say his few good films. I'm not a huge Ridley Scott fan. Jeez, oh, honey. A lot of people hold him <laughs> in high regard, but uh-huh. I... Probably can count on one hand. Well, which one would you say is his best? (sighs) Alien? Oh, okay. Well, then there we go. All right. Shall we move on? I think we shall. Right. Let's move on to our main event. This episode, it is Atomic Blonde. 
I chose this life. And someday, it's going to get me killed. to break it down in sections we like to talk about what was good about the movie first what we liked and then we talk about and dissect what wasn't so great about a movie what was the bad what didn't we like before moving on to spoilers and final thoughts and there will be spoilers from my end when the time comes all right so shanna why don't you start us off with what was good about the film I don't really want to start us off. You go first. Okay. I think, you know, this is going to be challenging for me, in all honesty. It's going to be challenging for me, too. I'm a little biased. Okay. (laughs) This is is going to be an interesting discussion. Uh, So objective. Hopefully we won't run too long. I thought Charlize Theron was in absolute fine form in this film. Figuratively speaking, probably as well as literally speaking. Oh my god. She was fantastic all around. Thank you very much. Yeah, you say that as though I'm saying the opposite, though. And I'm not. I'm not saying the opposite. Uh, She's... I don't know. I can't think of the last time Charlize was bad in anything. And I think in recent years, she's just gotten... She's gotten more physical as an actress and delved a little bit more into the action genre. I think it really suits her. I enjoy seeing her in yeah, action. I think she is probably the best part of the movie. Um, the, the best aspect. Yeah. Mm. I'll <laughs> say more about that later. But I feel like this is more of a spoiler film talk no i don't have much in the way of spoilers to talk about really i'm just i'm just trying to i'm just trying to organize my thoughts i guess i thought the music is a lot of fun yeah it's great hearing it in a different language all these familiar tunes that you have like uh, what, what are you referring to in a different language well wasn't father figure in a different language no it was in english unless you're used to it in another language you're so not helpful in this <laughs> conversation at all. I don't know what you mean. But 
considered. I thought the music was a highlight in the film uh, for sure. The action was really surprisingly brutal. It was uh, in, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It just, I just uh, kind of was contrary to my expectations in the film. Going in through watching the trailers, I expected the film to be more of a high-energy, fun, stylized action, and it ended up being kind of brutal, a big, a, a bit of a bruiser, uh, where you feel almost every single punch, and and you see bad things happen to the bad guys. Yes, it's very satisfying. Yeah, it gets pretty graphic at times, very quickly graphic uh, too. It's more punishing than the Bourne series, I would say. I will go pause for a moment and say that is all that I liked about the movie. Shanna, why don't you talk a little bit about what you liked about the movie? I felt like Charlize Theron's character was amazing. I feel the same way. I feel like Charlize just keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. I feel like romance is not her thing. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm like, trying to remember a, a romance. Sweet November. Oh, uh, see, I never... I thought that was a Reese Witherspoon movie. No, Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, no. Sweet I know my November. shit. Sweet Thank November. you. <laughs> I don't think I saw that one. That was a long time ago. No, so I really enjoyed her character in this, and I really enjoyed her acting in this. I felt like all the brutality was well suited to the film jeff and i talked about what our expectations were of this film and jeff's expectations were completely different to mine right i i knew it was going to be quite violent and push her character to the extremes i love james mcavoy he's one of my favorite actors Mm mm-hmm I thoroughly enjoyed the music, especially the songs that they sung in German instead of English. Popular songs that you would recognize. I just can't recall any right now. Well, I know they had the original version of 99 Left Balloons in there. Well, see, all I can recall is, you know, two words that I understood in German because of my Afrikaans um, studies in high school. um, And I can't even remember now what that was. But... That was fun. I, I love when they do that, when they don't, you know, you, you're going to a different country. Things are going to be different. I enjoyed her wardrobe thoroughly. I think they okay. should I think they should release that somehow through someone. <laughs> I think they did back <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that shit could totally fly right now. <laughs> Maybe just not yeah. the white raincoat. They really worked and it's to shine. make her look cool. She looked so freaking cool. Mm. I would even go through the painful bleaching process to have my hair like that. But I really enjoyed her. I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed other actors in this film as well. Um, I feel like I'd be spoiling stuff if I talk further. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot of people recognizable in this. And I enjoyed everyone's performance. I enjoyed the twists and turns that this film took. Because I had watched Citizen X, I was kind of in that Russian mindset. Of, <laughs> okay. <laughs> wait, yes. And I watched The Americans, so, like, KGB is top of mind for me. <laughs> and um, I'm always paying attention to how people are, how um, the media world is depicting KGB. And so there was one point where you didn't understand that that person was a KGB agent, but I did. 
And I believe that I was correct. I don't think I'm wrong. Mm. But yeah, so I love the performances, love the music. I quite enjoyed the cinematography. They played with the lighting a lot. You could tell it was the 80s with the lighting. My head is so buzzed right now Mm. just from the lighting. So I had a lot of fun with this film. There was a lot of like satisfying punches and kicks and strangulations. So yes. Well, well, I'm really glad you had a fun time with that movie. I had, I guess, more things I didn't enjoy about the movie than than ones I did. Well, why don't you kick us off with unlikables? Well, I guess I just feel like the movie was okay. It's almost, I feel like it's kind of forgettable, ultimately. Like, we watched the movie before the weekend, and the weekend has uh, has come and gone, and I have barely even thought of the, the movie since. Uh, I have all the music stuck in my head. Oh, Constantly, really? four hours a day. Yeah, see, I, I had a different experience where I, I almost kind of forgot the movie exists after I, my head hit the pillow later that night. And that shouldn't be the case if it's, a, you know, for a really great action film. And I know there's a lot of different examples of uh, films of its kind that I don't have that experience with. I feel like it tries so hard to stay ahead of the audience that it gets a little convoluted and you're not really sure who you were supposed to like and trust when all is said and done and I won't I won't go into more detail on that right right now um, but I can certainly say the last 15 20 minutes of the movie didn't necessarily work for me it wasn't necessarily what I would call satisfying it was more confusing I do find I will I will give this um, credit and I do uh, and one thing I did forget to mention earlier that's not bad is how much it it tracks with the actual history of the Berlin Wall coming down because that's actually one of the main instigators of the events in the movie is uh, basically the divide in Berlin East and West Berlin is really starting to come to a head and uh, it culminates with the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. And you see a lot of like news footage in the background or even in the foreground kind of tracking the events of, in Berlin at that time. Um, it, it's very much like the, the environment of the film. And that, that's actually pretty good. But I'm not sure that I necessarily cared about any of the other characters and what happens, who lives, who dies. There was one particular character who is set up a certain way. Again, I can't be specific until a few minutes from now. And then I felt like I predicted by the end of the first act that it was not the case, that they were the bad guy. And then the movie tries to do some sort of a weird head fake where it's like, was that a bad guy? Was it not a bad guy? I don't know. 
goes to my previous point, I suppose. But ultimately, the movie just isn't... It doesn't... I don't know. It it doesn't really... It, it, it excite that much. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll have some more thoughts. What what Did you have any issues with the movie? I feel like you brought up a lot of good points. Really? I loved the film. I loved being entertained by the film. Hmm. I felt like it was a very entertaining film. Like you could sit <laughs> back and just enjoy yourself. And that's what I was really craving after War for the Planet of the Apes, where I was uptight the whole time. See, I found that to be a way more entertaining and engaging film than Atomic Blonde was. And I was entertained during the war of the Planet of the Apes, for the Planet of the Apes, because that's what they're fighting for. But, like, I also really enjoyed Atomic Blonde. I felt like I loved that they were trying to keep ahead of the audience, because every time you feel like you know what's going on, they kind of prove you wrong Mm -hmm. in some way and um i guess we can talk more in spoilers but i didn't really have any problems with the film i was fairly happy maybe i was just easygoing this week was this then like the best movie of the summer for you no wonder woman was okay okay and guardians of the galaxy too maybe that'll give some indication of our film faves later on we'll see if We'll see if Atomic Blonde lands on your list. We'll have um, to see, yeah. Uh, so uh, you didn't have any issues with the movie. I had a few just general issues with the film. So was there anything you wanted to discuss before we move on to the spoiler section? No, I'm ready for spoilers. Okay, so I just want, for those who are want to avoid the spoilers... I just want to give um heads up. I just want to say duck. I just want to say I I wasn't a huge fan of the movie. I thought it was all right. It wasn't what I was necessarily looking forward to. I'd probably give the movie a six out of ten. How would you sum up your feelings of the movie for those who want to avoid spoilers? I think if you want to see a woman kick ass, go watch it. All right. Well, with that, let's move on into spoilers for Atomic Blonde. All right, so spoilers for Atomic Blonde. Woohoo! So, go for it. What do you have to say, uh, spoiler, spoiler-wise? Good, bad, and different about Atomic Blonde. I love that there was a female sex scene. I love that. A lesbian. Well. Oh, did you? Yes, I did, because that never happens. Black Swan. But this wasn't an illusion, okay? This wasn't like (laughs) someone took, someone didn't eat enough food and like dreamt it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, which was a cruel little tease. Okay. I really enjoyed that it was girl on girl action instead of girl on boy and boy on girl action for a change. And that was really different for me that doesn't happen often enough i feel i hated that she had to die that was really frustrating she for me being the photographer sophia Batella's character yes sophia Batella from Kingsman, by the way yes with the killer legs mm. <laughs> mm. very funny uh so are you saying that that was a flaw of the movie that she died 
No, I just didn't like it. Okay. Sure. Okay, so you actually cared about that character. I did. Yeah, you had mentioned how you were like, I don't know who to care about. Well, I cared about Charlize and her. <laughs> I'm glad you cared about the main character, because if you didn't care at least about her, the movie's a complete failure. No, I I cared about Charlize's character just enough. But, I mean, was I broken up and upset when Sofia Botella's character died? Not really. I, I didn't mean, think I, you I were there. I thought that was kind of... No, I was there, Shanna. Oh, okay. Um, I was, more importantly, kind of seeing it coming and not surprised by it. So, it's hard for me... Yeah, I, I, I was fairly unfazed by that. Um, were you unfazed when James McAvoy got shot in the face? Yeah, pretty much. Because by the end of the Me first too. act, I thought he was this um, this agent that they were looking for. Uh, Satchel? I was convinced that he was him, and I, I actually thought that was one of the failings of the movie while I was watching. I was like, oh, well, they totally made that predictable. Um, although I will say that that did not upset, but was... Um, I guess it did upset my expectations because the you know you watch the trailer and you think he's basically like some sort of a sidekick to Charlie Stalin. Um, so I didn't expect <laughs> I didn't expect that dynamic to be different. Uh, but yeah, and then speaking of his character, since you talked about how his fate, I ended up being kind of confused by what the hell his deal was. So he's not actually Satchel. Our main character is Satchel. Yes. And then, what was his, what was his agenda from the start? Uh, so, I mean, I think that he knew on some level that she was not playing for one side. Well, he had the files that actually said. Yeah, but had he read them yet? He only yes. read them later. No, he read them. You actually see him reading it. No, but, I mean, that happened later. Okay, but still, by the end of the movie. Mm. So yeah. So it's not very clear, is it? It's kind of muddy. So, well, no, I think you and I are just misunderstanding each other. Yeah, Charlize is Satchel. Mm-hmm. And... And how did, how, would, how did that affect you when you when that came about? I was fine with it. I felt like they were trying a bit hard to to pin it on James McAvoy's character. Mm. I felt like they they could have tried pinning it on who is it, Sophia? Sophia Batella? I mean, I what I'm saying is if you wanted to play that card where is it him? Is it her? Is it her? Mm. Is it her? Um, then they should have played the doubt card a little harder amongst more people. Completely unconvincing if um, they tried for a second acting like the the French agent on her first mission was 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 Satchel. Well, sometimes the Satchel doesn't have to be a a lifetime spy. It can be ever changing. Yeah. Well. I don't know about that. Maybe um, I've just seen too many spy things. Yeah. Maybe I was a spy in a previous life. 
So, I asked you how you felt about the reveal of Charlize being Satchel, and for me, I it made me really unclear about how I'm even supposed to feel about this main character. It made me feel like, wait, so she's the villain all along? <laughs> and 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 then they show her as working with the Russians, and you and it's like, wait, so she's so she's actually like a Russian agent, and then like the scene. She's a triple. You see, you see the scene in the trailer. That's actually near the end of the movie, which I didn't expect that. And it turns out she's actually working for the CIA. And so yeah. I, I don't know. And then just, her accent changes. It, yeah, and that was impressive and all, but it just switched so much that I couldn't. I couldn't be sure how I'm supposed to feel about the character. You know, it's just and, and so as a result, I definitely didn't leave the film thinking, wow, I'd really love to see more films with that character because I wasn't really sure, like how I, I wasn't really sure I liked the character. I, I liked it. I feel like it, it doesn't make a mission of showing how complicated spying was back then. And okay. when you had double or triple agents i don't think it ever really was clear you know um and how were you going to be sure of where the loyalties lay okay but our loyalties should be clear as an audience and the the storytelling should be clear uh for the audience is that's my that's my issue um and if if you're especially if you're going to try to have some twists and turns you gotta bring the audience along to where they're going to be with you and they're not going to like react against the 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 twist you know or indifferent so to speak to the twist that's really important i get where you're coming from so you admit it you you agree with me I mean, not necessarily. Don't get excited. (laughs) Um, I feel like this is one of those movies where you have to fill in a lot of gaps. And I don't look like you mentioned how people should be along with the ride with you. They should be along the ride with Charlize the whole time. But let's think about who her character actually is. She's a triple agent. She can't let anyone in. She has to be so careful. She has to use vulnerability to her advantage. We can't go on the ride with her. Then why are we watching? To be entertained. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, Would you be excited about more Atomic Blonde movies based on this film and what happens at the end? Oh, no. I think this was just like all in good fun. Okay, because I, I, by the way, I do think they are possibly setting this up as a as an action franchise, a, a counterpoint, if you will, a lot of people are saying to John Wick. So, uh, you would not want to see the further adventures of <laughs> of Lorraine, whatever her name is, star, uh, starring Charlize Theron. I mean, I'll watch Charlize, you mm, know, but uh, I don't know. What are they going to do? I, I don't even understand where they'd end up with it. I mean... If if the agencies have not figured out she's a triple agent by now, they're, they're kind of stupid, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know. 
Oh. I mean, maybe it'll deal with a post-Berlin Wall espionage. I have no what idea. What was the next thing after the Berlin Wall? The fall of apartheid? Well, I mean, in Africa, a few years later, I guess. Well, the but... Berlin Wall was in Germany. All right, well... Do you have anything more you'd like to talk about with the Atomic Blonde or say? No. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like it's pretty clear Shanna was quite favorable of the film. Uh, I was pretty lukewarm to it. Go ahead and let us know what you thought of Atomic Blonde. Write in to the Gibson Review at gmail.com. With that, let's move on to our final section of the episode, Film Faves. Now, for those... super exciting. It is super exciting. For those who are new to the show, Film Faves is where we count down our 12 favorite movies about a particular topic. Usually it's a countdown through time over the years. Uh, But this time we have a particular topic related to the movie that we reviewed in this case it is favorite favorite main female characters so the purpose of film faves is not only to let you know a little bit about what some of our favorite movies are and our tastes but also hopefully expose you to movies you haven't ever heard of or seen before and in that spirit we try to direct you where you can find these movies to stream Almost every movie we come across is available to rent on Amazon, uh, but we try to highlight those that are available uh, to stream on Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Now, and Hulu. With that, um, Shanna, the topic of main female characters. We're trying to limit this to, um, without it being so broad as to say our favorite female characters, try to limit this to female characters where who are the primary protagonist of a story, the, the character that the story centers around and moves forward around, right? Jenna, how did you go about uh, your list? I thought about a variety of women, women that are incredibly funny. I feel like comedy is quite a strength. Mm. Um, I thought about women, female characters that take sweet-ass revenge. I thought about women that tell it like it is. I thought of women that go through an incredibly interesting journey from you know very weak and mild to very strong and that create a presence for themselves themselves um i also thought about you know ones that are just obvious that you're drawn to and then you know some personal ones as well as ones that have extreme love for their partner i have one of those in here i think and then also women that have um a lot of respect or learn respect for themselves very cool so with that in mind why don't you share with us what your number 12 was so oh and then i i forgot to mention there's also a psycho chick or two in here so amy from gone girl is a favorite of mine because i mean no one would ever mess with a woman like that but no one would know that that woman is that insane 
that's true. Like, you have to be a certain kind of strength to retain that, you know, craziness. So she is one of my favorite. You just look at her even before everything ha- everything's revealed and then you look at her after everything's revealed and you're like, nope, you still look like the same kind of crazy ass bitch. So <laughs> I really, I, I enjoy watching her. Well, that is a uh, really cool pick and one I didn't even think of. My number 12 is Aaron Brockovich, which is available right now on HBO Now. Erin mm-hmm. Brockovich, which starred Julia Roberts and played by Julia Roberts. I mean, this is a uh, one of those based on real life people, and that makes it even, even makes her even cooler in mm-hmm. a way because it was a woman who basically had nothing. I mean, she she was a single woman without a penny to her name, three kids. And, yeah, and she ended up becoming like this this um very strong. And powerful lawyer in, in a way, at, and by you know, by the end of the story, after all, uh, after her case is all taken care of, you know, she's got a very strong personality, a strong attitude, and she's got tenacity. She's uh, she's very intelligent woman. And she and, didn't go to law school for that. <laughs> she was just she just became that way. Yeah, out of circumstance. I, yeah, and I didn't remember that, but she is also very good at manipulating those around her but not in a malicious way but just in a way to be able to help her clients i think a good way of saying that you know she doesn't take any bullshit right absolutely absolutely but also i also mean it in the sense that she knows that she's very attractive, and she will use that. Oh to, yeah, that for part. Whatever means yes. she has. So yeah, Aaron Brockovich uh, had to be included on this list for me. And I actually should backtrack and say, when I created my list, I first had to have who are the first women that come to mind when I think of favorite female main favorite female characters in general. Uh, what are the first ones that come to mind? And uh, most of my list really comprise uh, of that. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, my number 11 is Rey from Star Wars. And no, she's only number 11? I'm very surprised. Well, I, I'm looking at this list, and I guess it's it's not insulting to anyone. All these women are really strong. Mm-hmm. All these characters are really strong, and and maybe there isn't so much of an order to this in strength, but rather in what I strive to be. That's why Amy's at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Followed by Ray. That that is not your ambition in life to be like Amy. I I guess it's also based on realistic expectations. I'm not gonna pick up a lightsaber, saber, and you know. So you're you're more likely to pick up a lightsaber than (laughs) you are to than frame my husband and someone's throat, get pregnant. I suppose I should be relieved to hear this. (laughs) So that's where my formulation is coming from. But I think we all know why i like ray everybody likes ray and she's just the jedi girl that everybody all the girls wanted when star wars was happening you mean when they're growing up yeah Mm -hmm. and now a whole generation have 
growing up. They have no idea how lucky they are. Right. Be grateful. Right, right yeah. Strive for more. <laughs> Understood. My number 11 is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I love her. She's my favorite, too. Probably my favorite main female character from a Disney animated film. This is a woman who is independent. She is not interested in seeking out a husband. She's interested in other things. She has a she has a personality. She has interests. She has passions. You know, and, and a lot of those just happen to revolve around books and literature. Mm. And, of course, being an English major, I can't help but be a little in, endeared by that. But the film Beauty and the Beast in its first act really does a really great job to steal your line of setting up this character, establishing this woman who isn't a pushover for any any man she stands up for good she stands up for herself and Mm -hmm. she she's polite though she's not a she's not (laughs) an asshole you know she'll try to be civil about telling you no you know but she will tell you no that's really really cool to see in a disney film and i don't think that necessarily i don't think that ever is really sacrificed through the end of the film um even though yes she does end up with somebody she's very strong willed to the end so i think that's really great so she's my favorite disney animated main female character so my number 10 is diana wonder woman oh yes of course (laughs) which we've talked in a few times yeah i mean she had to be on there and she's in the perfect 10 you know, she's everything. She's somewhat realistic, <laughs> you know. She's what we all strive to be, what mm. we should all strive to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't all be as Amazon-looking as her. But it's really fun that she's around, finally, in a film format. Yeah, definitely. Wow, I can't believe that I raised your 11 and... Wonder Woman's your number talent. As I said, the more realistic expectations on the list. Even so, I know how much you love those characters, so this is a very exciting list. I can't wait to see what your top five end up being. For me, my next one is Maya from Zero Dark Thirty, played by Jessica Chastain. This is a woman who has an arc. She starts out barely being able to stomach what is necessary in order to find Osama bin Laden and those closest to Osama bin Laden. And she grows to being the most seasoned and the one in charge of finding Osama bin Laden. And she is not afraid to tell off her superiors to achieve that goal. I keep thinking of that image of her with her shades on, her arms crossed at a distance while the two soldiers are talking about her about like, I don't know, two thirds of the way in the, in the film. And I really feel like that's that is that image is so representative of how of what this character becomes and what she can represent 
for young women all over uh, the country. And she is based on a real person too, which I think is also really great. Yeah, she's just a really strong main character that happens to be a woman. Even though she's driven by obsession, she ends up becoming like this thing that represents what happens when you've reached your goal, you know, when you've actually achieved the thing you're obsessed on. Wow. Who are you then? So, yeah. Yeah, Fascinating she, she's like your favorite. Well, she's my 10th favorite. <laughs> so my number nine is Amy Mila Kunis, played by Mila Kunis from Bad Moms. I, I think I've said enough about this movie previously. I think she's total badass. She does from this, you know, doormat to don't even look at me <laughs> kind of um, evolution in motherhood. And I'm very excited about Bad Moms 2 coming in November. Is it a very Bad Moms Christmas or something? It's going to be spectacular. Okay. okay. And then next year we're going to do Easter. I'm kidding. So. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> spring but, break. It'll be spring break. But that is a very fun pick. And she's uh, she's a fun character and, and very enjoyable to watch. Okay. What's your number nine? Lisbeth Salander from the Girl with a Dragon Tattoo series. This is one of the most complex characters I have seen ever seen put to film. That's a really good pick. You look at her and you think that's a woman that's going to be able to kick ass, but she's not necessarily someone who's going to kick ass. And that's one of the fascinating things uh, about her. She actually becomes victimized in the films, and that becomes a huge story arc. But she is also somebody that, while she's not above being victimized she will figure out a way to get you back for anything you do to her well and i think and it will not be pleasant she you know like you said she's not full of strength physically but she's smart as a whip and she mm-hmm. will get you through her smarts well and that's, which you might not be expecting that's the thing you know she <laughs> she's this really like superhero character kind of but all she is is a really great researcher Mm. you know she's like that's all she is if you actually watch in the films she's super smart at researching she's not she's not necessarily a detective or some kick-ass lady but she will research the fuck out of a problem and if you did something you really shouldn't have she'll figure it out that's for sure. So, you know, her different complexities and her intelligence all make her a really fascinating character and one that I couldn't overlook for this list. Mm. It's a very good pick. So, my number eight is Olive from Easy A. Awesome. You know, coming back to reality and real expectations and you know, real attainability. She's just so great. I mean, she's just, that was me, you know, at least the weekend. No, the weekend chilling. (laughs) Chilling on the weekend, minding my own business kind of deal. a big A on your bra. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was that brave. So there's, I love how she takes that, you know, label and literally wears the frick out of it. Mm. And I think that that's, she's one of the funnest characters. It's a birthday movie for me. 
oh. I'll watch it every birthday because mm. it makes me feel good about high school crap. So <laughs> it's one of those high school movies that I'd have my daughter watch, you know. Um, so, yeah, I love her. Very cool. My next pick is Lilu from The Fifth Element. Probably one of the most quotable main female characters. And also, uh, well, she is the perfect being, isn't she? As we see from the start of the film. Uh, But, you know, her self-education of the world and her fascinating ancient language that that's um <laughs> i think if i remember correctly luke Besson made up for mia jo- jovovich to speak she's she's endearing she's fun she is an amazing fighter i mean that action sequence at the <laughs> opera was yeah. one of the the best action sequences i had ever seen at that point and may still have been one of the best action sequences of the 90s, if not in, still in sci-fi. It's mm. beautiful choreography. Yeah, well, it's just awesome. And, of course, the way it's cut with the song and, and, um, definitely helps, too. But it's a character that still resonates today, I feel. is People still cosplay her, even, 20 years later. So It's always exciting when we see a Lilu. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So again, a character that came to mind quite quickly while making the list, so I couldn't um, overlook her. Uh, she is my number eight. My number seven is Evie from V for Vendetta. Awesome um, There's an example of someone coming full circle into her confidence, into her power, because she doesn't end up being this like outspoken person. She just ends up being someone that does not talks about it or even talks Mm. for it she just does it so she's a great pick and can anybody find that movie anywhere ah yes it turns out that that is my first one available on netflix for streaming awesome very cool agent kusanagi is my next pick from the original i can't believe i have to say this now the original ghost in the shell I see, yes. 1995 anime, which is available on Hulu to stream. Probably one of the most existential characters. Uh, speaking of existential, I had to retire Hannah from this list, a, char- uh, a character and movie I've talked about a couple times before in pre- past episodes. Instead, we got Agent Kusanagi, who is technically an android, but a female android. A cyborg type character. Here is a character who can, at turns, try to solve a mystery, kick ass, blow someone's brains out, and also contemplate the mysteries of what makes us human and makes us who we are and uh, what is a soul. <laughs> Is very fascinating, very memorable, very cool character. Only should be found in the anime. We're going to overlook this year's live-action version of her by Scarlett Johansson. We do love Scarlett, though. Uh huh. Yes, we do, but not in that movie. 1995's Ghost in the Shell with Agent Kusanagi on Hulu. 
My number six is Eve from Only Lovers Left Behind. And that was, if you guys recall, the one time where I used my You Just Get One for an extra pick that was in your cheat, the yeah. top 12. Yeah, yeah, that was my cheat. Only left al- Lovers Left Alive. This character is played by Tilda Swinton. I really like her. Although sometimes her her eyes feel a little scary to me. But I really enjoyed her in this film. She shows me what I want love to be. Mm. She's very strong with her love. She's very calm. It feels like a potent love that she has for Adam. Mm. And I just feel like that's just gorgeous. Screw the Twilight crap and the vampire diaries. <laughs> True Blood is more like, you know, oh, so sexy and fun. But, like, I feel like one of the best romance female characters that can show you how she draws power from love is Eve from Only Lovers Left Alive. That is a really awesome perspective. I love that. My number six is Marge... Gunderson. From... I thought you were going to say Simpson. <laughs> no, Marge Gunderson from Fargo. Oh, that's such a great pick. I love that woman yes. so dearly. Played by Frances McDormand. Uh, the, the, was it? North Dakotan pregnant cop who is on the hunt for two. Well, actually, no, she's not on the hunt for the two killers. She's actually investigating the disappearance of a car salesman's wife, isn't she? Yes. And, and she then... just so happens to stumble across one of the two killers. Yeah, this is a woman who whose appearances belie her intelligence. A lot of people take her or underestimate her. Yes. And that's one of the coolest things about her. She has this great demeanor about her. You know, very, what's the word? Well, she'll let you think what you think, and Mm -hmm. she'll use it to her advantage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, She's one of the best characters at keeping the cards to her vest without being obvious about it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and then it's just hilarious. He was just funny looking. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's just great. I think about how she's even introduced to us. You know, if Mm. I remember correctly, they are investigating a murder scene. And she's leaning over, and her partner is like, oh, did you find something? She's like, no, just think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> you know? Because she's got the morning sickness and everything. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's a uh, great pick. Yeah, absolutely great character. Marge Gunderson from Fargo, the original Coen Brothers film. My number five is Lady from Lady and the Tramp. Mm, very cool. And the reason she's so high up there is here is someone that doesn't stop loving the people and the friends around her. Mm. She doesn't stop protecting the ones that matter to her either. And when she does have a day where she kind of lets loose, she does come back. And then she's left with a problem and she always keeps a cool head about it. And she's also very determined to get her message across. I I know she's just a 
a beautiful little puppy. But yeah, while at the same time being a beautiful little cocker spaniel. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome. That was very well said. Yeah. So she's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. So I guess Belle kind of fell out of my list. Mm. And it was because of her. So. Very cool. I can understand why, given that explanation. That's awesome. Next for me is The Bride from Kill Bill. Oh, The Bride is my number four. Oh, okay. Very cool. So for me, oh no, I think The Bride is iconic. I <laughs> think this is a woman who is not only extremely uh, skilled in in a variety of different forms of violence. Um, <laughs> not fighting skills. We're going to go with violence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not just with her hands, but all, all, all kinds of weaponry. Whatever she has. You know, she's, but she's, she's also at times really witty. She's also, uh, we learn a very protective mother figure. And then we also learn that she's someone who went through rigorous training and had a lot of determination with her training and self-discipline. Yeah, those are good qualities, the self-discipline and the the training. Yeah, she's also, you know, at the same time, very hip. I don't know, there's just all these really excellent qualities to this character. And it's just, you know, I, I... I can't wait to revisit her story, and I really wish the whole bloody affair, which is the combination of the two volumes, was actually released in print because I would love to have that and have her story in a complete version. So that's wait, um, they put it all into one movie. It was in like um, an Los Angeles screening. Oh my like god! A one-time thing. Mm, that must have been amazing. Back. Yeah, it was several years back. It's called the Kill Kill Bill: The Whole Bloody Affair. It's never been released in print, unfortunately. So she's my number four, mm-hmm. and you know, as I was growing up, you know, you have Princess Leia, mm-hmm. you have Belle, you have other characters around, but I can't remember how old I was when she when Kill Bill came out and the Bride was a thing. But I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is an amazing woman. You were 14. Oh, I was. Well, okay. I needed someone like that in (laughs) my life. And, yeah, so she's ranked number four on my list. And, no, that isn't my life. But should it become my life, everybody better run. (laughs) So I really loved her revenge. And I think my favorite part is how she still is you know, this compassionate mother when she grabs the one, is it Akuza? Yakuza. Yakuza boys, and she's like, go home to your mother, <laughs> spanking oh, yeah, him. Yeah, spanking <laughs> it was just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's your number four? Sarah Connor. God, that's a good choice. I wish I had that. Particularly from Terminator 2. However, one mm. of the things that makes her great is her arc from the original Terminator. If you don't recall, for most of that movie, she is really just like an average California waitress who just wants to have fun. That's right. And that's very unappealing, actually, as it turns out. (laughs) You know, it also makes her a very unassuming target 
for for these machines from the future and and very unassuming as the the person who would later birth the savior of mankind you too can be anything you wish (laughs) yeah i guess you know but she does she does accept her her future she comes into her own and she becomes this incredibly strong if not very very ptsd disturbed woman who is just doing everything she can to prepare her son for the future which is ultimately isn't that what every mom is trying to do for their son I mean, oh. sure, if you want to turn it to 11 degrees, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I think everybody in 1991 found found a female character that they could they could champion when Sarah came on screen, you know, doing her her uh, pull ups on the, the oh my god, bed, yeah, bed, that was know, great, the psych ward. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, she's my number four, uh, Sarah Connor. From Terminator and Terminator 2. That's a really great pick. I wish I had thought of that, but you have it, so it's fine. My number three is Shoshana from Inglorious Bastards. An awesome pick. I, you know, we had a bit of a debate about this, whether it was, is she a main character? And she, she is. She kind of starts the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's... She essentially has her own story in the film. she's the one that actually gets revenge first and yeah. then everybody else gets to join it's just well she's kind of this way, hero yeah. mm-hmm. actually this wonderful hero and it's just so unfortunate her destiny but yeah. i really enjoy her i love how she evolves i mean how did that woman keep a straight face when christoph waltz Mm-hmm. Waltz's character mm-hmm. was sitting in front of her, next to her, mm-hmm. and forcing her to have a dessert. Mm-hmm. I mean, a like, strudel. oh my god, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. How did you do it? Yeah, that whole scene is, is remarkable. Yeah, but that was, she's a fantastic character. Lots of strength and no bullshit. Yeah, that's uh, Mel- Melanie Laurent in that role. Where can people find that movie? They can find it on Blu-ray. I'm kidding. They can find it on Netflix. Awesome. My third favorite main female character is Mary Poppins. Oh, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Poppins from the 1964 film, I believe, starring Julie Andrews. Who is who the best. Everybody should know by now. If not, get out from under that rock and grab whatever disney blu-ray you can of it the ultimate british nanny she will take care of the kids but she will be like she'll be gentle yet firm she'll be fun yet have boundaries and she will she's just very magical and and just wonderful yet practically perfect in every way yeah, is ex- what you're looking for exactly yes <laughs> absolutely and i can't help but be very moved by her departure from the family and and the revelation that she was actually there to help mr banks be a father yeah i just I, what how can anyone not love mary poppins honestly why isn't she on your list, young lady? <laughs> because I am her. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, you know, 
she's very important in my life too because I am a nanny as well. So, mm-hmm. and she does have a very important role. Yeah, she's there to look after the kids, as you said, but she is there to help the parents reconnect because mm-hmm. that does happen. You do lose a connection with your kids when you're working so hard to provide for them to get somewhere that you can provide for them. Yeah, and I think that's a little layer that is not obvious. It's very subtle um, the way it is in a Disney film because the, the parents are somewhat not whimsical what's the word they're very in their own world yeah i mean i get what the mom is doing yeah you know and there's a very fun version of a suffragette yes (laughs) so not for real (laughs) so not yeah absolutely what it is anyway i'll 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 move on my number two is cheryl strayed played by reese witherspoon of wild she is my number two very cool she is who i can relate to the most Mm -hmm. and I've spoken about her before. She has a fantastic arc, completely messed up life. You know, she just didn't know how to deal with her mother's death. Mm. And her hike helps her deal with that and everything that it turned upside down. Yeah, she. Yeah, and that's actually a choice she makes to try to exercise everything and and process everything that had been going on yeah to to heal her life i think she says Mm. it like that she's going to walk back to the person she used to be and we all can relate to that we've all been we've all been our best selves and we're always trying to get back to it because there is crap that happens in between so she is a fantastic female role model for me actually that's awesome that is very cool and i i love that that uh character in that film as well well my second favorite female character i tried to but i couldn't avoid i tried to shove her back in the list but i really (laughs) couldn't and i was shocked that i had her higher than you it is in fact ray from Star Wars, The Force Awakens. <laughs> Someone who just a single image that represents her entire character arc, the culmination of her character arc, is enough to move me to tears. That image being when she is holding the lightsaber and turns it on for the very first time. Every time you say that, I just want to cry. See? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. See? Absolutely. And it probably is even more powerful for, for you because you're a woman and I'm, and I'm not. You know, I, I've had my Luke Skywalker growing up. Yeah. Right? I had my Han Solo. You were very lucky. You know? But still, there's something about Rey. There's something about Rey. <laughs> <laughs> Daisy Ridley is an absolute diamond in the rough that they, that they discovered. Uh, I don't know if she really had done anything before The Force Awakens. I certainly wasn't aware of her, I don't think. I don't know. But I feel like her and um, who plays Diana from Wonder Woman? Oh, Gal Gadot. Yeah, I feel like the two of them need to be on a panel. And I think, oh, Oh my God. Can you imagine? Incredible. (laughs) These two powerful, these two women 
who auditioned for roles mm -hmm. a very very powerful woman mm -hmm. of very very high expectations mm -hmm. i mean okay yep. no one knew about ray but right when you find out that there's going to be a female mm -hmm. as the lead yeah like there is pressure on you because there's a lot of people wanting that so badly to be done right yeah and also i think that's one of the things that made her character a bit of a secret too and i think it's 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 partially because of the import of what that character represents and star wars being i i've decided star wars is officially my favorite film and film series there's no way in hell she couldn't be my second favorite uh, character. So. Wait, you finally answered my question. I did after <laughs> how many years? Like, I don't know, four, yeah. <laughs> four and a half, no five. <laughs> What's your my favorite? number one? Your favorite right now female character is Patty from the new Ghostbusters movie. Are you movie. shitting me? Oh my god, she's my favorite. More than all these other characters? Everything she says is freaking hilarious. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> she just cracks me up all the time and she has such a such a fun way of looking at life. And like if I'm sad... She's your most realistic expectation or whatever. Your yes. biggest goal. Yeah, the ghosts are coming and you're going to wish that you didn't quit your job. <laughs> These people were alive there and like, oh, look, scary room full of nightmares. I'm not going in there. That is completely me. And <laughs> it's totally realistic. Wow. It's like, oh, the laundry's backed up. Scary room of nightmares. Not going in there. I really, I just love her so much. I think everything about her is amazing. She, you know, I can't remember which character it was. It might have been Abby. And she says, can you put oh, some... Oh, you mean one of the actual main characters of Ghostbusters. Patty is a main character. Don't start with me, sir. We, we debated off mic when she was formulating her list whether or not the movie is actually about Patty. Um, or if it's about the Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig characters. But go ahead. Go ahead. You just ran to my parade. <laughs> Puddle on you. I, I thought they'd be interested in knowing. Go ahead. I feel like she's a main character because she is a ghostbuster. Okay. She wears that title. She is a main character. Okay. Anyway, I just really like how, you know, Abby says, can you put some illumination on that? And she's like, yeah, I can shed some light on there for you. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'll translate for everybody else at home. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's, that's um, hilarious because... I never even, I've seen the movie a couple times and I've never actually noticed that. She does that all the time, all the time. And I love how she takes care of all, you know, her ghost best, her ghost best, her ghost besties. <laughs> <laughs> her ghost besties. And, you know, like Abby isn't eating and you can tell she probably does have a few diabetic signs and, you know, Patty comes back to the, the building and she says we got you a sandwich so you don't pick out pick off of ours <laughs> like your blood sugars have been real bad yo come on now and that's like totally me <laughs> like when i get hangry and yeah she just keeps everyone in check i love her to pieces all the time all right well my number one is ellie arroway from contact oh that's so good by jodie foster which is available uh, to stream on Amazon Prime. I had to have her on this list. And I had to come down on her as my favorite main female character. Because 
I still remember 20 years later the experience of seeing her on screen and not only being astounded by the tenacity and the the ambition of this character and just the the idealism of this character and and her strength in all those qualities but i was left speechless for a, an hour or two after that film even just i literally i remember sitting on the couch in the living room not moving just being speechless processing not only that movie contact but that character it's it might be my favorite Jodie Foster character ever. Oh, that's that's a good idea. I just I, I'm just so incredibly endeared by that character and Jodie Foster's performance and all the different qualities that come into play and the the debate of science and and religion and the relationship she has with relate with religion via Palmer Joss played by Matthew, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey, your favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I just adore this character above above almost all others. So, yeah, she absolutely is my number one main female character. So, that is our list of our favorite main female characters. Who are your favorite main female characters? Yeah, who loves Patty as much as I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, or even who did we overlook? That's the favorite of yours. Feel free to write to us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That's going to about do it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. Stay tuned for... Well, actually... You know, our next episode's kind of up in the air. We're really not sure what we're going to do. It'll be a surprise. Yeah, I mean, we're looking ahead at the releases, and there's not much that's very exciting. It's August. It's kind of a dump month. Maybe we'll review The Glass House if we can see it. Not really sure. The DVD releases at the time aren't too exciting. We'll see. Stay tuned. We'll, We'll see what we end up doing as our main event. But in the meantime, Shannon, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on all my social media channels via my website at www.shannapaxton.com. Very cool. And my, my channels are not so simple. <laughs> you got to go to thegibsonreview.com to find past episodes, past lists, past reviews. Uh, a variety of content there. You can go to Facebook at the Gibson Review to find sh- uh, short reviews, third-party links, news, things of that nature. Uh, also, you can go to Flickchart. If you're a part of Flickchart, it's a fun activity online. You can find me, the Gibson 99. Um, I'm on there. But also, of course, you can find more episodes of The Movie Lovers on iTunes, Subscribe, write a review. Be kind. That's right. Please be kind. Be constructive. We love hearing from you guys. Until the next episode, this is Jeff. And Shanna. Signing out. Keep loving the movies. Bye-bye. All right. So my number nine is the Mila Kunis character from Bad Moms. Ah, what was her name? Because <laughs> we should take up more time. Well, you should have it all prepared. Oh, uh, fuck off. 
fuck off with expecting me to be prepared. Amy. Jesus Christ, it could not be fucking simpler. Alright. Are you recording? Mm-hmm. You are? Yes. You recorded all of that. Oh my god. Just go.